Vasudevasutam devam Tansujanuramardanam Devaki paramanandam Krishnam vannev jagat guram Hi and welcome to Gita Girl. My name is Sharmila and the Gita Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be the best version of yourself by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. Recently, two questions have come up. Why are you doing this podcast and what gives you the authority to teach the Bhagavad Gita? Both really great questions. Although I was raised with a lot of faith and prayer and that got me through a lot, I really didn't have the life skills to manage my own emotions and my own behavior when under pressure and stress, let alone how to handle the emotions and behaviors of others during life's inevitable conflicts and dilemmas. As I said, I was raised with a lot of faith and prayer, so I decided to teach that to my children and I realized the best way to teach my children was in a formal class setting. So I started a class and invited my friends' kids and started teaching them Hinduism and learning more about Hinduism and especially the Bhagavad Gita. I realized, hang on a second, this isn't just about faith and prayer. This is about life skills. This is about tools that have really important mind shifts and attitude shifts and behavioral changes that actually worked. Whenever I had the presence of mind and the strength to actually put them into use, I realized this is fantastic. This works. I feel better. Situations become easier, less complicated. Conflicts get resolved just in a much better fashion. And most of these life skills and mind shifts came from the Bhagavad Gita. I teach for two reasons. Number one, when you teach, you learn. And I teach because I want more of the ideas and the behavioral changes and the concepts in the Bhagavad Gita to stick in this thick head of mine. And I also teach because if I can help people avoid the millions, if not billions of mistakes I made, then that's time well spent. So that's why I'm doing this podcast. And what gives me the authority? Absolutely nothing. I have no authority at all other than the fact that I've been teaching for almost 20 years. I found that the teachings of the Gita help others and help me. And I'm getting a lot of positive feedback from my students liking what Lord Krishna has to say. So I have no authority other than the stuff seems to work. So why not? And here we are. Welcome to the Gita Girl podcast. Jayshi Krishna, this is Shayla. I am the producer for the Gita Girl podcast, and we're thrilled to have all of you here for our second podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today, Shayla and I are very pleased that Shama is joining us. Jayshi Krishna. Jayshi Krishna. Shama is one of my gold star students. She's been learning from me since my adult class started three years ago. And in fact, uh, Shayla and Shama were the two women responsible for me actually starting a Bhagavad Gita class for adults. I was teaching both of their children and Shayla and Shama approached me as parents and said they liked what their children were 
learning in my class and would I teach adults? And that's how it all began. Shama is an epidemiologist and given the global pandemic, Shama must be under much more stress than many of us right now. So thank you for making the time to join us on this podcast today so we can talk about what the Bhagavad Gita says about maximizing one's performance, especially under stress. The Bhagavad Gita is a conversation between Lord Krishna, God, and his disciple Arjun. When Arjun was in a tremendously difficult situation and was completely at a loss at what the right thing to do was, so he turned to Lord Krishna for advice. The first word of the Gita is dharma, which means the right thing to do in a situation. And the last word of the book is mama, which means mine. So the entire Bhagavad Gita is a discussion of my dharma, meaning what on earth am I supposed to do now? What is the right thing to do in this situation? So basically, Arjun is asking Krishna, I don't know what to do. Please help me. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is not only advising Arjun in his time of stress and anxiety and despondency and confusion, Krishna is actually giving great advice and guidelines to all of us. The advice is so profound and so brilliant, it actually can be used by everyone in all circumstances. So through my years of teaching, one of the lessons from the Gita, which most students have found helpful, is this one. Do your best, leave the rest, which essentially means give it your best shot and let go of focusing on the outcome, which is actually counterintuitive in our world today. We're taught to keep our eye on the prize. We are all very goal-oriented and have very specific lists of material and non-material things that we want. And we've been conditioned that we must be goal-oriented for success. As a society, this is how we function. However, according to Lord Krishna, this mindset is a surefire way to anxiety, stress, and actually prevents us from reaching our full potential and achieving these goals. Do your best, leave the rest means that we should focus on the task at hand without concerning ourselves about the end goal. So today I'd like to explore this theory and see if it works and how exactly we can apply it to our lives. So, Shaman, in the context of your work and your family life, what are your goals? What do you consider to be success in your life? So, that's a loaded question, and obviously I could answer that a lot of different ways. But I think if I really was trying to synthesize it into one meaningful statement, I think both at home and at work, it's important to me that I make a meaningful contribution to the greater good. I work in government and um, I'm able to work in public health. And, you know, obviously the goals there are really to improve the health of the population. So that broadly, you know, is, is one way that I feel like I can contribute professionally. And then personally at home, I th um, when I think about raising my kids, I feel like it's extremely important to raise good people who are going to be good citizens and who also are going to contribute to the greater good because I have grown up exceptionally 
privileged and had a really lovely life. (laughs) And I really feel like it's important for the world to benefit in big and small ways from what my parents and family have given to me. That's kind of a big goal. And then just a more practical goal (laughs) is balance. You know, I think it's um, hard to raise kids and, you know, have a successful marriage and also work and do um, good work, you know, outside the home. So it just, you know, it takes a lot of juggling. And so to achieve some kind of balance is also part of my goals. I think that that idea of achieving balance resonates with me. I think it resonates with a lot of people. I think we're, you know, we talked about, um, keeping your eyes on the prize and and all this pressure from society to be goal oriented. And I think one of those myths that we're taught in, in that context is that you can have it all and do everything perfectly. And so that's something that a lot of us strive for and feel disappointed when we don't reach, you know, particular goals or all of our goals because we're given these ideas that that's absolutely attainable. Yeah, and, and not not only that it's attainable, but I feel we value our lives and ourselves based on how far we achieve these goals, right? We have these preset notions in our mind that these are my goals, this is what I want, and if by bad luck or due to unforeseen circumstances, or even due to mistakes we make, we don't achieve it, it's really easy to get discouraged and disheartened and disappointed and angry or judge ourselves that we have failed. That's pretty much all of our mindsets, right? True, Um, true. One thing I learned in the class, actually, is that we're all on a journey. It's a path, you know, and it's, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. But even if these are my goals, I'm nowhere near them. But it's helpful to know that as a class, we're on our own individual paths, trying to get there with these teachings to manage those ups and downs. The exact verse in which Krishna tells us this teaching is chapter two, verse 47, which Shama and Shayla, you know, very well, because We've talked about it over and over in class. And in this verse, Lord Krishna says that all we own, all we actually have a right to is our effort and that the result of our effort is out of our control. Those goals, the the eye on the prize, those prizes are actually, believe it or not, out of our control. He goes on to say in this verse that it doesn't mean that you should sit around and do nothing thinking, what's the point? It's all out of my control. Krishna says that he does actually not mean that at all. What he does mean is that we should focus on the task at hand without being distracted by the results. Because oftentimes if we think about, oh, this is my goal, but I'm not getting it, then we're overcome, right, with anxiety and disappointment and frustration, he says that forget about the results, forget about the goals you had, just put in your best effort. Let's explain this concept a little more because it's a Uh big one. I mean, and I'd like to hear Shama's thoughts too, but one of the things, you know, I'm um, like Sharmila, I teach 
at Balvihar, which is a, a Hindu class for kids. And one of the examples we always use, because most of the kids play some kind of sports or do some kind of after school activity is, you know, when you're playing in soccer, um, if you're playing on a team, is it just up to you? Like everybody wants to win. Like that's the idea of doing your best, right? Like everybody wants to make that goal. Everybody wants to win a game. But do you have control over the outcome of the game? No. Do you have control over whether the other team is going to be better? Do you have control over if your other teammates are going to have a good day or a bad day or came to practice consistently? No. The only thing you have control over is your performance. That's it. You play the absolute best game that you can play, do everything you were supposed to do, and that's the only thing you have control over. You don't have control over the outcome of the game. And applying that to our life and my life, it takes some practice because we're thought to focus on winning the game and not just the effort you put in. I also think that that is a good example, though, of what a hard lesson that is because you could be that kid that is doing their best game after game after game and nobody ever notices. Nobody, you know, like you never actually score, but you're always doing the assist or, you know, you don't make the varsity team or whatever the case may be. And it's a really hard lesson that you gave it your best shot and that's all you can do. But it's tough when you're, you know, when you don't get the results that you want. And that's one of the toughest concepts for me um, that Shramila has taught us, which is the piece of having faith that even if you don't get that benefit now, one day it will come. And I think that that is uh, something that, you know, I continue to struggle with and think a lot about because that's the part where you really just have to let go. And, you know, the other, the other part of that is really assessing when with whatever action it is, whether it, you know, making dinner at home or writing a manuscript for a journal or, you know, whatever the case may be, did you actually do your best? Did you actually do it in the best possible way of you, that you could? And, you know, because if you didn't, then maybe that result isn't going to come. So that's also something that's constantly kind of weaving in my head that am I frustrated because I didn't do my best or am I frustrated because I didn't get the result that I wanted? Thanks for that soccer analogy, Shayla. It's definitely a good one. And I know in a public forum like a podcast like this, it's hard to come up with specific examples from our own lives because, you know, we want to protect the names of the innocent or not so innocent and certainly don't want to throw anyone under the bus. So I'm going to take that soccer analogy as code for any kind of family dynamic or personal issue or work issue. But um, Shama, you make two interesting points. First of all, you're right, it's tough when you don't get the results that you want. And we'll certainly discuss that in greater depth in this podcast, because Lord Krishna has something to say about that. First, I'd like to talk about the point you made about getting frustrated, because maybe you didn't give it your best. So how do we ensure that we are doing our best and giving our best effort? Krishna says that if you're focused on the task and not distracted by fear and worry and anxiety and that kind of yearning, longing for the result, 
then your performance will be far superior because he says in chapter 2 verses 41 and 49 he says that if you're focused on the task and leave the rest stop focusing on the results he says your performance will be far superior as in this way the intellect is resolute and one pointed however if you're focused on the result and on the endless permutations and combinations of future outcomes like to use the soccer example I've practiced enough, but have my teammates practiced enough? What if I don't make this goal? What will happen if we lose? What will happen if we win? What's going to happen to our standing in the team league? What are my friends going to say? What are my parents going to say? What's my coach going to think? And on and on and on. Krishna says that if you're plagued by thoughts of how it can or cannot turn out, then he says your intellect is scattered in many directions and endlessly diverse. And because of that, you're not going to do your best. In chapter 2, verse 50, Lord Krishna says, doing your best, leaving the rest, fully focusing on the task, letting go of your obsession with the result. This is the only way to achieve true intelligent action. And this is the only way to act skillfully. Without it, you're not going to have the, the brain space to actually give your best effort. It's not going to happen. I think that that's totally true. (laughs) And when I know that in any given moment I have done my best, I'm totally not scattered about it. You know, I'm able to like close that chapter and say, okay, like, you know, I did my best. I'm walking away from the situation and moving on with my life onto the next thing versus like perseverating on what she was doing or I was doing. And so I totally recognize now that that is a waste of time and energy and that it is much more important for me to spend time focusing on how I could have, you know, what I could have done better in that situation so that I can move on from it. So, and then I'm armed better for the next situation. Right. Rather than taking that baggage to the next situation, like Krishna says, that the intellect is resolute and one-pointed it's much easier to be resolute that my resolution is i'm going to do my best the end regardless of the results and honestly there's enough work in that in and of self right that a ton (laughs) yeah the doing your best there's enough work in that that you almost leaves you little time to focus on the rest I'll, i'll give you an example so my son was going through you know post-high school, mid-college, uh, little tantrums. And um, I had made a great breakfast for him, well, brunch, because he woke up at one o'clock. Um, it was a great brunch for him. And my son is gluten and dairy free. So, you know, things are very time sensitive. Like your bread doesn't hold up as well. You know, the sauces kind of tend to like die quicker And everything has to be like eaten within the first few minutes of cooking for it to actually taste how it's supposed to taste because you're using all these substitutes, right? And I had made him this phenomenal eggs Benedict and eggs Florentine combination with avocado and fried onions and put it on the table. And I said, yeah, your brunch is ready. He doesn't come out of his bedroom. So what was I going to do? This brunch was here. It took me like half an hour to prepare. He was going to eat and then go off on his day. And I didn't know what to do with him. And this teaching really helped me. I said, you know what? I'm doing my best. The end. 
like I have done my best. So instead of me freaking out and like calling him twice or three times, which may, would make the situation worse, I covered it with tinfoil. I walked away. He ate it, you know, 25, 30 minutes later, it probably tasted lousy. And guess what? He finished the whole thing. I think had I said anything, he would have eaten two bites and like stormed out of the house. But because I just kept my cool and could walk away, even though as upset I was as I was, I didn't let him know, although I'm sure he knew. Because, you know, kids can, one of the Jedi mind tricks they can do from inside your body where they've come, they can read your minds. I'm sure he knew I was upset. But I think he was so taken aback by the fact that I was like, okay, I made it. Eat it, don't eat it, whatevs. And he ate the whole thing and then he went about his appointments for the day. So that kind of saved me and that was a big turning point for me that, wow, I can really do this. I can really focus that my best effort was my best effort. You know, it was just really a relief to me to know that whether he ate it or didn't wasn't my problem. And something that I find helpful in that kind of a situation is, and this comes up at work all the time as well, my priority is not always other people's priority, right? So like mm-hmm. you feeding your kid a warm brunch is your priority. You want them to like maximally benefit from the deliciousness of that meal. But his priority is, you know, taking 20 extra minutes in the shower and relaxing that way. And that's important to him, you know, for example. And, but I mean, I think that just that recognition that whatever you think is most important in a moment is not always what someone else might think. At work, that's also especially hard for me because I feel like, aren't we all here for the same reason? And don't we all have the same goals? And it turns out, no, we don't. Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really great point that you think that everyone's on the same page as you and they're not. I think that's so profound. That's something I'm learning today that not everybody has the same goals. At work, it's been really liberating to kind of realize that everybody's priorities are not the same. So instead of trying to get them on the same page as me, which I feel like I spent a decade trying to do that. um, Now I just put my head down and do, do my work and don't spend so much time trying to think that I can control what other people's priorities are because I just can't. And it's not, it's not a, it's not a useful exercise. Whatever other thing I could be doing that could get me closer to my goals. I just, feel like it's freed up a lot of energy. Yeah, Um, mental energy. It's mentally exhausting to try and control everybody else around you. And that way you can't do your best. How can you when you're trying to control everyone else? And you can't get to any solution, you know? I mean, you end up like, like sort of mired in the challenges and you can't get to a solution. And so... I can't help but um, sort of vent and complain and get it off my chest. But then I'm able to move on, you know, whereas I feel like in the past, it would have been just like ruminating, ruminating on that. Yeah. And in fact, in chapter two, verse 49, Lord Krishna says, and I'm going to read you exactly the quote. He says, wretched are those who crave for the fruits of action, meaning wretched are those who crave like you did that everybody be on the same page as you. That was your goal, right? And it sounded like it made you wretched. It does, because like I love that word, perseverating or ruminating. We kind of ruminate when we're so focused on, this is our goal and we're going to get this at all costs and why isn't this happening? I mean, it's an endless, mentally exhausting, like gymnastic feat to just keep 
craving for this one goal or set of goals or this pre-existing notion of how things should be, he calls us wretched. And then he says, because of this, your efforts are inferior. So your chance of success goes down. It's so true because it just makes it impossible to do your best because you're wasting so much energy. Right. And also, if you try to control the outcome, as we've talked about before, whether it's that game that the the soccer game that the kid is involved in or um, your kid's behavior or it's something at work, there's just infinite amount of variables that you would have to control. And focusing on all those variables will make you wretched. There's just way too much that you do not have any direct control over that have an impact on the outcome that you're focused on. Yeah. Krishna is always spot on. Yeah. Yeah. He says you become plagued by thoughts of unfulfilled desires and your intellect is scattered in many directions and endlessly diverse. And then it becomes impossible to focus and do your best. And then you're wretched because not only are you not getting what you want, you've lessened the chances of getting what you want significantly. One of the things that I reflect on often, because as Shama mentioned earlier, this is a journey, this is constant work, mm-hmm. really constant work, is my experience of teaching at Balvihar. It's teaching Balvihar is probably one of my favorite things to do. I really love it so much. And I put a lot of effort into it. And I spend a lot of time researching best practices. And it makes me really happy when um, some concept I believe connects with my kids. But I also know that when they go home, their parents might be teaching them something different. Their school might be teaching them something different. Their friends might be teaching them something different. There's a million different variations of things they can do with whatever lesson is being taught in my class that I have no control over. And I, it doesn't bother me. It never bothers me. I never think, what are my kids going to do with this information when they go home? Because I know that I've done my absolute best in that class. I've enjoyed myself. I feel like the kids have enjoyed it. And if they haven't, it just encourages me to do better. But in terms of the outcome of what they're going to do with that lesson, I let it go every single time. And I think most teachers would say the same. I don't think that's unique to me at all. And so I think about that experience often and think, how can I apply that same feeling to the other choices and decisions that I make in my life? Like, how can I do my absolute best, enjoy the process of learning, enjoy the process of improving. And whether it's at work, whether it's raising my kids, whether it's in my relationship with my, um, my husband or my parents or whoever, but just let go of the outcome, not worry about what's going to happen. And it's hard. And in some situations, it's easier to apply. In some situations, it's not. And it's a constant work for me. But I always kind of think back and reflect on that one sort of personal example of where it has worked for me and how I can apply that same thing elsewhere. When you see that process working, I think that's good verification of like, to keep keep trying, <laughs> keep trying to get there in other areas, you know? Yes, absolutely. In chapter two, verse 48, Lord Krishna says that we should perform our duty abandoning attachment to 
a specific result or outcome which you've labeled as success in your mind. Like you said, Shayla, as you're teaching Balvihar, you're not attached to the results, right? For you, the teaching is the goal. You've done your bit. Thank you very much. You've taught, and that's all you wanted from the experience was to teach. So Krishna says that if you apply this attitude that you're not attached to the result, but instead, if we become more effort-based, that the effort is what's important, and now I'm done. Whether it's at work or at home, and that's so hard to do. When you're teaching other people's children and you're teaching your own children at home, those are two different things, right? Yes. You're still teaching kids, but other people's kids, you've done your best and it's very easy to leave the rest. That's right. But when it's your own children and you see them maybe not taking those teachings, it stings a little. The second aspect of this teaching in verse 48 is that he says, perform your duty being even-minded, keeping your calm in success or failure. But one of the questions I have when it comes to doing your best and leaving the rest is that very often we are judged by how we performed a certain goal and we're judged on the basis of that goal and not your effort. And so how does that come into play with do your best, leave the rest? It's a tough question. Krishna says in chapter 2, verse 40 and 41, if you actually behave this way and manage to give your best effort, just like you do, Shaila and Balvihar, he says there's no loss of effort, nor is there fear of contrary result, because the karmic consequence of you giving your best effort is always positive. We are all creating karma, good action and bad action, which goes into our bank account for the future. So if the fruition of that good action hasn't come now, it'll come in the future. And the same thing, if we do something bad and we don't get bad consequences now, it'll come in the future. If you've given your best effort, you've abandoned your attachment to the result, you've focused completely on the task, and you're even-minded, you're calm, and have accepted the results in failure or success, he says there's only two outcomes. Either number one, you succeed and you enjoy that, ta-da, and you're happy. Or number two, you fail, or what you perceive to be failure in your brain, which is not actually necessarily failure at all. But it doesn't matter because you've still got the karmic benefit of having done your best. So you can carry on in your life knowing that at some point when the time is right, that good action will come to you, not necessarily in the way you thought, but in some other way. And you can be at peace knowing that you did your best and karmically, that's all you could do. And it's over. Like you said, Shama, you can close that chapter and you can move on. Does what I'm saying make sense? Yeah. yeah. I also think that, you know, to use that same goal of the kid who, um, you know, never comes in first place, despite the effort that that effort that you put in was never wasted because you've learned something from putting that effort in, right. That can be applied later. And while it may feel disappointing, you know, to a young person or even to an adult that you didn't get that goal that you wanted. The effort that you put in, the learning about hard work, the playing on a team or whatever other lessons you've learned are going to serve you well in the future. We have to learn 
to really base our satisfaction on the fact that we did our best um, and being less goal oriented and more me doing my best focused. And that's, that's really liberating. That's another thing that Lord Krishna talks about. He says in chapter two, verse 51 and 71, he says, in this way of doing your best and leaving the rest, you become freed from the shackles of life and attain the blissful supreme state of peace. Mic drop. You're both nodding your heads. Not there yet, but <laughs> I recognize that it's true. I do also see that I've made some small moves in that direction, but yeah. it is. I mean, I think you both have used the word freeing and liberating. Yeah. And I think that that is absolutely true. When you truly understand, and I understand this intellectually, I haven't totally done this yet, but when you truly understand that you have no control over the outcome, there is something incredibly freeing about that. It frees you to just do your best in that moment, not think about anything else, wipe your hands and walk away from whatever situation, knowing that you've done everything you can and that's it. Irrelevant of what happens. There's something so beautiful about it. Yeah, you're freed from the shackles of perseverating. We're freed from that. We're just like, I did my best. I did my absolute best with the best intention. And like you said, wiping your hands of it and just being done with it. It's so liberating when we can do it. And in that moment, in that like nanosecond, I do get a bit of bliss and peace before the next thing comes up, of course. Yeah, I think we should all reflect on the moments in our lives where that has been true, where we've been able to do our best and not be focused on what's going to happen and then just try to replicate that in other situations. We have talked today about how to move in that direction and and how to do that. And some of the things that you all have mentioned is remembering one, that not everybody has the same goals or priorities. So you have to let that go. Also focusing on the actual effort it takes to do your best is is something else. And maybe you all remember some other tips that people can do to actually focus on doing their best and leaving their rest because it is very difficult um, and it does take work and it does take a lot of practice, but, you know, hopefully in this conversation, there have been some practical suggestions for people to move forward with. I mean, the thing that always strikes me, you know, we've talked about this before is that big or small, whatever the problem is, the solution is the same. And it's, I, you know, had like this time um, during the class where I've been like, this is kind of a bummer. Like I was waiting for some climactic answer. And the answer is really simple and really hard, you know, and it's all in the journey. And it's all in sort of this idea of like truly staying calm and doing your best. And then just also remembering that everything passes. And those are, have been the things that I have taken from the, uh, you know, this class um, because 
whether I like it or not, it's the right answer. It gets you through any situation, big or small. And, you know, that's been very profound for me. This is real skill in action. And I love what you said, Shama, that uh, the solutions are simple and really, really hard to do. But as Krishna says, everything starts in the beginning, start small, build that muscle and make it work. Absolutely. Yes. We'll get there. Yep. So long as we're stronger than we were yesterday or last week uh, or even five minutes ago, that's the main thing. Yeah, I love that. That was a great ending for this podcast. So um, that's it for today. And um, please go on to our website, geetagirl.com, G-E-E-T-A-G-I-R-L.com. Look at our podcast. They're available on iTunes as well. And give us your feedback. Please give us a high rating. Share the podcast with your friends. And we will see you next time. Shama, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as we've enjoyed having you and learning from your words of wisdom and sharing what you've learned in the class. I just want to thank you guys for opening up this space. Uh, Our Gita class is going global, and I I love it. It's awesome. Thanks, Sham. Thank you, Krishna. Vasudeva Sutam Devam Tansu Janurabardanam Devaki Paramarandam Krishnam Vandev Jagat Guram 